Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Mr. Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? Doing good, Eric. We got a third day, a third, uh, or third. Uh, we have a uh, three-day weekend, and uh, we also have a, a special uh, weekend handicapping since it's three-day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, uh, in memory of everyone who served uh, and lost their lives to uh, give us freedom. Uh, we're going to welcome in a gentleman who uh, is from the East. Uh, East LA, <laughs> thank you, uh, Mr. Leo Vukomanovich. Leo, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, Gary, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I uh, caught up on uh, your Twitter account, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're an IT guy? Yes, uh, I got 35 years uh, in IT support. I worked for a large uh, consulting company, Accenture, for 25 years, and then retired. And then one of the partners I worked with, he tapped me on the shoulder. He had a software company. He said, Hey, can you come help me with this uh, uh, collaboration with the uh, connection with a couple of his offices? Uh, Cause he couldn't get it to work. And the next thing you know, I said, well, where's your tech support? And he goes, I don't have one. And I've been there since. So it's been great. Awesome. Well, I, and that's one of the uh, few things we probably have in common. I, I'm an IT guy and uh, during COVID, uh, we can we we can work remote regardless uh, whether it's COVID or not. Uh, that that's the thing I love ab about my job. I assume uh, the same is true for you. Without a doubt, during the entire COVID, we, we uh, actually uh, kind of anticipated it. And we we set up a command center at our office, and then after about a week, we all we all went home and we support uh, 450 employees, and we enabled them with. Um, with all the tools that we already had in place, but, you know, just get the work from home monitors and, you know, keyboards and that kind of stuff that they, they had in the office. And so uh, we didn't miss a beat. So it was really cool. good. So I'm sure uh, somehow your IT background uh, makes its way into your handicapping. Yes or no? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I've, I've used different tools, um, you know, that are, that are computer based, but, I'm I'm a I'm an old school guy where where I like the you know the hard copy of the racing form, um, and I leverage that and I leverage also um, workouts and mostly uh, this this last probably six months or this is the beginning of the Santa Anita meet I've been focusing on you know just West Coast Santa Anita and Golden Gate. Yeah, that's I think that's what a lot of people um, fail to realize that they spread themselves too thin. Obviously we have a dozen or more tracks going at once and people try to, you know, pick and choose different tracks. Whereas I always said, you know, go with what, you know, you know, you're a, you're a West coast guy. You probably know Santa Anita, Del Mar, like the back of your hand and just knowing the horses, the trainers, the jocks, the cycles that go on has to be an advantage. With, without a doubt, I have several training angles. And then just, especially right now, the, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to fill races. And, and a lot of times uh, trainers put horses in races just to, just to basically run them to keep them fit. And maybe they're not going to be trying as hard. 
there's there's all sorts of different um, aspects of just focusing in on one track that that I think I I can create an edge uh, right. compared to, to to the you know just betting all over the place, right? Right, and uh, as we know, being lifelong handicappers for a number of decades, uh, any little edge you can grab is huge. So tell tell us how how did the Vuk man get involved in horse racing? Well, it was uh, it was I, I was really fortunate. I think I got hit from all all sorts of different angles, but my uncle, who my, my mom's uh, brother, he he uh, he owned horses and he was an avid horse player. And at the young age of 11 years old, when, when it was okay to get on a bus, I would, I would take a bus uh, in the, in where, I, where I grew up in the city of Alhambra and take a bus down, uh, down, down the road, you know, seven, eight miles. And then my aunt would come and pick me up. I ended up at my uncle's house and then he would go to the barn and I would go, I would go with him. So I got exposed there. And then actually where I lived two blocks away, there was a liquor store called Dorney's. And when you walked in, it had window circle pictures all around the whole inside of the, uh, of the liquor store. And the people that owned it were all into horse racing. And, you know, when you walked in, there was all the newspapers and uh, publications and everything else you can get your hands on to, uh, you know, to make, to make bets. And so at a real young age, I was, I, uh, I got hooked. And even uh, with, in the summertime within my friends, we would go to the park and we would take all the gear, you know, we take, you know, play football and basketball and, and baseball. And we go out through the whole day. And then at uh, 5.30, there was a publication show that came on called Horse and Jockey and they did the race recreations. So we'd get the green sheet, which was uh, Lucky Louise and Ernie Mason. And we would, we would gamble. We would gamble like 10 cents a race. And, <laughs> and uh, we did that at a young age. And there was always, you know, five or six or seven, eight of us that would do that. And, I think even back then, I, I, I started to look for an edge to figure out how to pass posts, right, or, or listen to <laughs> KNX and get an early result. But uh, it was something that we, uh, we always did. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting where, you know, people that, uh, you know, from Southern California in the 80s, it was something that was popular. And, and uh, that's where you got the results from. That's cool. Awesome story. So, uh we like to uh, let our li listeners know some background as far as your handicapping style, what type of publications, racing, daily racing form, time form, brisnet or whatever. So, so get, give yeah. us kind of like a little, uh, in, in a nutshell, how you approach uh, handicapping races. Yeah. So, so as of today, um, I use the form. I like the hard copy. Even though I'm a technical guy, I um, I use both, but I tend to to to, to um, end up on the hard copy. And I also use a national turf, uh, Andy Harrington uh, workouts for Santa Anita. I, I think um, what I like about what he does is a lot of people focus on the grades and that sort of thing, but I really focus on the comments. And especially in the dirt races, what I like to do is like help eliminate horses. Um, I've and then through my career, I've basically I've attempted and used all the different tools that are out there. So the, the you know, Regison sheets and, and um, I've used the sheets. I've used, you name it, I've done it. Um, optics, I've, 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 I've leveraged that. But I think for, for what I'm doing right now to, today, I just focus on um, the daily racing form and the, and the workouts. 
And then also with a tool bag of several tra training angles and, and just, you know, I like to, I like to bet trainers that get hot and I'm always looking for, for value. And, and that that's the key, uh, looking for value. Now, are, are you the type of guy who, if you're, or let's put, let me ask you this. Are you ever looking for just to make a win bet if you can get the right price? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I made uh, this, this meet, I made uh, some, some significant win bets on, on, on horses that, um, uh, that I, you know, I got the right odds. And sometimes, you know, it, it, um, again, like uh, I had mentioned about, you know, I, I tend to stay away from favorites uh, and betting favorites at all, unless I'll use them in a horizontal bet. If I think they're, um, you know, significantly better than everyone else, but I, I'm, I'm a win better. I'll make win bets, but really where I focus on is a, a multi-race bet. So the early pick five, the, you know, the late pick five, and I have a strategic plan where I'll, I really try to go thin early on, on a lot of these bets because then if I advance, um, um, then I have an opportunity to make a score where I'll have a multi, you know, multi, I'll, I'll have a pick five, you know, maybe five or 10 times. Right. So sure. that's where I try to focus on and where a lot of times you see people, right tickets where they try to spread early and then thin late where they try to just get to the end. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't take that approach. I take where uh, really just focusing on making good bets. Right. So looking at a race and, and, and figuring out, um, you know, where you could find the value, where you could beat the favorites and then where, you know, where the opportunities are to make a score and where, how you could extract money from, from the races and then looking at a race card and figuring out where the strengths are, where my, where I think the strengths are to, to be able to achieve that. All right. And, and explain a little bit. We we've had past guests uh, kind of uh, same thing as far as, you know, people who are spreading in horizontal wagers uh, they're pretty much, they just have one ticket. So if they're spreading four or five horses in one race, that's indicating that, they have they, they have an equal feeling on all five horses versus just having separate tickets where the ones that you like better you're you're putting more into that ticket. Explain a little bit of that. Yeah, I th no, that's a great point because what what tends to happen here with the shorter fields, uh, you you have to really zero in uh, when you have large fields. Uh, let's say you don't like the first two favorites, then that's what I think you can group horses together. Or maybe even look at you know making a vertical bet, but when you come up with fields that are you know six and seven horse fields or five horse fields, right? You really have to zero in and and take a stand, and 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 just focus on you know one or two horses where you could find some value. I, I think I think a lot of times what people tend to do is they'll they'll still spread, and they'll use a favorite, and then they'll spread other horses, and then. What ends up happening is their tickets get get too big, and then they're and then they're they're making a single ticket where they're not able to, uh, you know, have multiple tickets where they can make a better score. All right. So uh, speaking of making better scores, I noticed that uh, just a few weeks ago you won one of the Santa Anita tournaments on on site. Uh, are you a avid uh, tournament player? 
Um, yeah, I, I've, I've played tournaments on and off. Um, on and off. I, I tend to stay away from the two win, two place tournaments. And, and, uh, and strategy... explain, explain that because I, I, I agree with you, but share your thoughts on those type of tournaments. Yeah, so the so the two win two place if they're for if they're for cash, um, I you know I'll I'll I'll, I'll dabble in, in those sometimes, but I've really gotten away from those for for, for some time now. Um, but the um, and, and the reasoning is because just the 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 way that the tournaments are structured and how uh, I don't think it's a true you know handicapping process where it's it turns out to be a numbers game where people are just you know, betting longer shots, and if they, right. they, they hit them, they 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 get they get home. Where if you're betting cash, it's a little bit more strategic. And then I'm not afraid to make a large wager. And I think what I've learned, um, you know, over the last, um, you know, probably the way I've been playing this 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 entire meet is that you really have to focus on 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 making one or two bets. So, for example, that tournament that I won. Um, I think I, I bet a whore, I bet uh, it was a $500 buy-in with $300 you played with. I bet 300 to win on a, a three to one shot. And then, um, and then what I ended up doing in the last race is I ended up betting the whole 1200 on the favorite. And that's how, I, and that's how I got home. And it was a horse that I really, I really liked. And uh, P ended up winning, I think by 12 lengths or so. And then, nice. so, and he was, he was, he was, uh, I think he was eight to five. So basically what I did was turn an eight to five shot into like a 12 to one shot with the money that I won and winning the Pegasus tournament um, as well. And that's, that's something that, um, you know, you've had, you've had guests on like ITP and that that's his strategy, you know, and that's something I've learned from him uh, to, to help, you know, develop uh, a really good strategy when winning where you see sometimes people, you, you watch the standings and people will move up in the standings and they might have four winners. And at the end of the day, they, they finish in fifth place where if I could take, you know, a five to two shot and a two to one shot and just parlay them, I, I can get, I can get home or I could take an exactor that's going to pay 10 to one um, and, and do that. And I've had really good success where I, I kind of got the first part in and didn't get the second part in, but, but that day I, I got the, uh, I got the second part home and, I, and I've done that before too, as well. So. All right. And that's the thing uh, you want one of our previous guests, Tommy Massis, I think said it best. He goes, the majority of these people in these tournaments, they they just want to be around for the entire tournament. They're 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 afraid to to lose instead of wanting to win. Yeah, and like and like you said, you pick your best opportunities and you just slam it home. And all, you only need to be right twice, pretty much, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, Tommy's had a lot of success and. And he's a, he's a, he's he's a good player, and he's a you know he's he's made some big scores throughout his, his career that, that that keep him going, and that that's what he does. He's he's a guy that's not afraid to bet. I think the one year he won, I think he had uh, I think close to a ten thousand dollar exacta box. I think it was nine thousand to get him get himself home. And I think that's what you have to be able to do is is not not be afraid to 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 uh, uh, to, to kind of step out of your comfort zone and make those bets in order to, to, to be successful when winning tournaments. And if you look at the results and you, and you interview all the guys that are winning, that's what they're doing. And that's the, that's a strategy to, uh, to be a winning tournament player. Right. Now, before I turn it over to Eric, cause we're going to dissect uh, the Memorial day late pick five at uh, Santa Anita. 
which um, it, it turned out to be a, a good good sequence. Nice uh, fields, three grade ones in there. I'm going to lean on you two to, to take me home with that. But before we get into that, um, talk about rebates. And you made, uh, before we started recording, you made a great point that horse racing uh, industry needs to embrace this more uh, for more of their betters because every single store or fast food place you go to, they have a rewards program, you know, or, uh, you know, a loyal shopper where every time you go, you, you get points for free stuff. So expand upon the rebates, uh, if you will. Well, I think there's different level of, of rebates. There's, you know, there's several guys out there that are getting significant rebates. Um, and then there's, you know, people um, that, that, that get a mid-range rebate. But I think one of the things that if you look at, like you mentioned, I mean, my friend goes to the grocery store. If he spends 75 bucks, he gets an $8 check. You know, I go to Starbucks, right? Every 150 points, I get a, I get a free drink. Um, and I think, um, and that's what attracts people to, to participate or get. I, I, uh, I eat at a place called Urban Plates. I just, I just got a thing to sign up where, where I, get, I got, I think, $5 off my meal that I spent 20 some dollars for. I think it's, you know, and, it, and I think if the racetracks looked at that and, and, and gave people opportunities where, and, and not just high level betters, but even lower level betters, where they get something back in return, That'll keep them. That'll keep them uh, in an action, and that's you know that's their goal is to keep players playing, and keep uh, people churning churning bets. So I I I, I, um, I would hope to see in the future that we see a little bit more of that. Maybe when COVID's over and, and uh, we get people back into the track, that the that things might uh, open up for that. Let's certainly hope so. So um, Eric, uh, if you have a, a, anything else for the root man. Uh... Go ahead. Thanks. And Leo, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Hearing your wisdom and insight here. Uh, you got a great little setup there. Why don't you tell the listeners where you're uh, coming from? Actually, uh, I'm just, um, I'm actually at Saturday to racetrack in what we call Lucky Suite 11. And they just ran the, uh, uh, the eighth race, which was the final race of the day. And it was, uh, uh, it was won by uh, actually a, 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 the favorite, but not the morning line favorite, the morning line third choice. But uh, yeah, so this is a this is a place that I've uh, I've set up shop for pretty much the whole meet, and um, like I mentioned to you earlier uh, when we were speaking, is when COVID hit, um, I actually stopped playing. Um, um, I have a, a um, I've been in a marriage for for some time, and I didn't want to be sitting at home and with my wife being at home and just playing horses all the time. So I took I took a break, and I think what the break really helped me with is really get refocused on. Um, just hundred percent refocused on, you know, how I'm going to, uh, you know, attack the races when I got back, got back into it. And then, and then with my age and, and, you know, some of the health risks that, that come along with somebody, um, um, of my size, what I, what I didn't want to do is go to the front of the track and, 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 um, and then be around people. Um, so, uh, before COVID, Normally, I would be in the Eddie Logan suite, which is a VIP suite that's managed by uh, Tom Quigley. And uh, so what they were able to do is make, make uh, accommodations for me uh, so that I could be pretty much by myself. And then one of the probably the biggest things, um, 
and that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at today in, in Suite 11 here. But we've also had, and sometimes when the suites weren't available, I, I would go to, I have other, other uh, uh, locations that I was able to go to. But one of the things I think, one of the most important things that, uh, that came out of this is being alone, right? So being by yourself. Uh, a lot of times when you go to the racetrack, you have people around you, they might influence you. There's a lot of, uh, you know, chatter. There's a lot of distractions. And I think one of the keys to my success is pretty much being by myself and be able to really think through how I'm going to attack a card and how I'm going to, you know, where I'm going to make those key bets in order to extract money to, to, to have a, you know, to have a, a winning day, um, I think was really, really important and really, really key. And I think a lot of people do that. They do it from home, right? Where, but I'm home type betting from home. I prefer to be at the racetrack. Um, I'm not real big on looking at horses, but I, I got, you know, um, somewhat of a, uh, you know, there's some things that I, I look, I look for, uh, that I like being here. Then I like putting money in the machine and getting it out when I win and going to the window and <laughs> cashing the vet voucher, right. At the end of the day, I mean, there's, there's nothing better than that, where when you do it online, I think you tend, I, I lose sight of money, like altogether. So, um, that's, point. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some. There's been some really good things that have come out of, you know, some silver lining that's come out of COVID for me. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people lost their lives, but, uh, you know, I'm always looking for the silver lining and I'm, I'm always pretty positive. And before I get into some betting questions, um, you mentioned uh, when GQ asked you that you use workout reports a lot and you made a comment that interested me. You said you read the comments in the workout report largely to get rid of some horses could you share, if you're willing to, what are some things that you read that make you want to get rid of a horse? Yeah, so um, there's, I, I think what I've learned over, you know, purchasing uh, his service for, for, for quite some time is really, um, you know, you're eliminating horses, horses that, that uh, you know, they don't finish, they're on the wrong lead. Um, they, might, they might be a horse that might be, Good, but it might be something that's down the line, um, you know, things like that. And then, and then um, you know, they're just, just very negative, negative comments. So I read every comment on every horse that's in every race. I mean, the good thing, maybe there isn't as many horses, so it doesn't take as long, but there's a lot of like, what I'm looking for is like, you'll see a horse that's maybe a C plus grade and it'll have like no real step up. But one of the things I really like is you'll see a horse that has, and I'll, and I'll print them out. You can print them out like 45, 90, even 120 days. And you can get all those works as you look at a for a pattern. So I'll see like C plus, C plus, C plus, C plus. And the next thing you know, the guys, the horse has got to be. And then there's comments around horses turning around. I mean, there was, I think the horse today in the last race was something uh, that was similar to that, right? Where he, here's a good example. He was, he was, uh, uh, you know, four workouts at C plus with all negative stuff. And then uh, here comes it, you know, improved spin, right? Where it was a B grade and, uh, you know, best drill to date, maybe figuring things out. So that's, a, that, so that's something that I, that I, I, I love to look for. And that's something that's been really um, successful this meet where you see those patterns switch and then you'll see a horse that's working real good and then coming off and, and one thing that sometimes people get confused about in the workouts is the reason why he waits till 7 p.m. the night before is because he's he's 
he's he's creating the workouts in the context of that race, right? So he's not, you know, obviously you could have a grade one horse with a with a with a with a B plus or A minus, uh, but that wouldn't mean the same for a, a B plus for the horse, you know, for twenty thousand. So it's within the context of the race. But and then two with the two year old races, he's putting fractions in uh, as well, so you can get the you can you can get um, split times as well um, in, in order to help you with the two-year-olds. And I think with the two-year-olds, this meet he's, he's been really spot on, and you can tell by at the windows the horses get they get over bet. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, and and as far as some betting questions for you before we get into the handicapping, I, I know you're a pick five player as you mentioned. You like the horizontals. I'm very similar in that. Uh, there's been a lot of talk and chatter online, uh, Twitter, I guess, really, uh, with Andy Serling being uh, at the center of the attention here, because he made a comment about, um, well, a couple of comments, one of which the key to the pick five or multi-race bets is surviving uh, the different legs. And then he made a comment today. I don't know if you saw it. Um, we spoke a little before. I forgot if we spoke about this, but he made a comment about uh, you can't single uh, or you're not supposed to single. It's a terrible advice for people who uh, who single in these multi-race bets. So I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but you have any thoughts on that for us? Yeah, no, I think I think what you have to, you know, the comments, of, you know, in the context of what he's saying, I'm not too, you know, clear on what, what he means by, you know, you can't single or that's something at a racetrack where I'm at, I have to do all the time in order to, in order to, to make money, I have to take a stand on a horse and, and have to do that, especially when you get a four or five horse field that you end up with. Um, I, I think the other thing that, that tends to happen, I, I don't, I, I think he, I think he recommented also as well. And he came back with uh, some clarity on, on exactly what he was talking about. But I think what people tend not to do is think about long-term, right? So I have, I have, friends that I've been coming to the track with for a long time, they just want to bet and they want to have money at the end of the day. I mean, they want to have money to have come tomorrow. And that's, that's not a winning horse player. That's somebody that's just here to entertain themselves and bet where, where if you're going to be serious about making money, I think you, you have to really take a stand on, on horses. And so you know, when he comes out and says that, or, or when, when before he was talking about like, like, uh, you know, no disrespect, but I mean, like, if I, if, if he's talked about, you know, not liking a favorite, but you have to use him, but with his mentality, yeah, you have to use him if you want to survive, if that's what you think, but see, I'll take a stand against that horse. And then if I get beat, one of my strengths is just to move right on to the next race. And so, you know, sometimes there's a pick four or pick three or a double I can come back with, you know, there's so many different, um, there's so many different uh, opportunities that you can create for yourself, but um, I think that's, I think that's the challenge that people tend to look at. And then he's a public handicapper. So what do they tend to do? They, they just want to have people, you know, they just want to pick winners or, or help, help people, you know, have a winning ticket, but that's, that's, doesn't mean you're a winning horse player. So I think, you know, I think there's, um, it's how you, how you, you read into it. And for me, I wouldn't, I would, if, if I take a step, I don't like a favorite, I'm, I'm tossing him. Or the other thing I won't do is I, if I like a favorite, I'm not bidding other horses uh, with, with that favorite. So I'll single the favorite that I think is a, a strong favorite. So it kind of goes against what he says, but I think he's, you know, he's, he's, 
he's not thinking long-term and he's not thinking as a winning horse player um, at the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I've noticed it so much more the last few weeks, but people are, are kind of, a, I'm, I'm not even talking about Andy Sterling or public handicappers. I think people are like obsessed with the winning percent and cashing tickets. It's kind of crazy where it really should be about ROI, long-term success. Even if you're cashing 4% of your tickets, my best year was last year. And I don't know the percent of tickets that I hit, probably like 3% of the tickets I hit maybe. But if you're making a profit, then what's the difference? How many you're hitting? No, that's a, that, that, that's a great point. And I think, you know, the long-term and, 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 and making good bets short-term because what ends up happening is um, I've seen, I've done this myself and I, I've corrected it where I might have, you know, where, where let's say for a, a amount of time or for a weekend or something where, where um, I've collected a lot of tickets, but then I bet more than what I've collected. And the, and the amount that I collected that it's like, well, wow, anybody that collected that much would usually think they'd be a big winner. Um, and so when you, when you look at it that way, then you, and you readjust to it, this is, that's where I'm trying to focus more on just betting, um, you know, it's, it's the whole theory about bet a little to win a lot, right? Or, or mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm going to bet something and, and if I'm right, I'm going to get paid for it. So that's where the multiple multiple tickets come in. You know, they have, you know, they have these different ticket makers and all that. And I think I have been doing, I mean, not using the actual ticket maker program, but I've been I've been I learned about that a long long time ago. And I think, you know, one of the things is is I think that's I think that's the difference. Um, you know, when you like when I started gambling and in, 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 in my teens, you would see people just they would they would uh, just always resort to the favorites. And you had you have if you that's something I learned where man, the favorites, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't they, you could you could cash tickets, but at the end of the day, you're not making any money. So I bet against a lot of them all the time. And when they beat me, I just move on to the next race. And that's probably my biggest strength where I'll talk to friends at night. Oh, if I, this, I had this, if I would have, this horse would have won, I would have won this. It's like, I mean, I'll, I'll go up against anybody with, when it comes to bad beats. But I think that's one of my strengths is just to move on. Right. So when you get, when you get a tough beat, you could, you could sit and dwell on it and be upset about it. And, and, uh, but I think it'll affect your handicapping going forward. And then one of the things I kind of applied for business that I apply to horse racing is like, like how you recover from something. So if I get a, if I get a bad beat, I'm like digging really deep to make a good bet to make, to, to kind of recover from that. So I, 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 I fortunate, I've been fortunate where I've kind of used, you know, business applied business strategies to, to, to horse racing. And that, that's probably one of the other good ones where a lot of times all some of the biggest days that I've had um, in the last three years is I um, started off where I got, I got stuck and I was, you know, losing pretty bad, but I, 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 am betting with so much confidence. I don't let that, I don't let that interfere with me. So those are key, key points, you know, being alone by yourself, right if you get a bad beat or you're, or you're lose the first five races, it just takes one to get back right where you could, you can make a score. I've had, I've had days where I was getting shut out and then boom, one race. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cashing for, uh, uh, you know, five figures and I just wrap it up for the day. So, you know, I think those are really good key points to kind of, kind of put in your tool bag 
if you're going to be a better, you have to, you have to think like a winning player. And I think if you, if you take those approaches where you just want to cash tickets and entertain yourself, then, you know, over time, you're going to, you're going to lose money. And, and, uh, and I don't, I don't like losing. I, yeah, it, it, the funny thing is, it seems like everybody or not everyone, but the majority of people, as you say, they're afraid of the favorite. They're afraid of not using the favorite, but where else is it that the psychology is you're afraid of not using something that, fails 75% of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. If people started looking at it that way, but for some reason that word favorite is an enigma with horse players. Oh yeah. I'm notorious for betting against the favorites. I, I think I've been against uh, uh, Zenyatta and Songbird and all those lead pipes. I bet against them all the time. <laughs> Well, you're, you're in good company. You're in good company here. <laughs> trust me. But when I love betting um, Laurel, which is GQ's home track, because I find at Laurel, you don't get as much money in the pick five pool usually. And I think the betters are a little smaller with their budgets. And because of that, they're not spreading as much and they're just relying so much on chalk. So I found at Laurel, and I'm sure there's other tracks, I just don't follow it. If you can beat like one fairly heavy favorite, you're getting paid much more than it's worth. And today was an example. I don't know if you looked at the carryover. I know you don't really look at other tracks necessarily, but they had a big carryover, but still it was basically four chalks, two of which were he- or yeah, two of which were, were pretty heavy or three of which were pretty heavy. And then one price horse in a five horse field. And it paid a, like for 50 cents, it paid over four grand. Now again, the carryover helped, but still I, I couldn't believe what it paid for one long shot in a small field. Um, so that, that's one reason why I've been love Ben Laurel because you you make a great you make a yeah. great point and there's a lot of tracks out there. There's a track at night at Los Alamitos that's here that 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 uh, that happens quite a bit. The early pick four where you know they get a hundred thousand plus every night and you beat one or two of those favorites and the next thing you know that you're getting a huge payoff. Um, and and that's you know I, that's what you have to look for. You have to look for an edge and what you're talking about is you found an edge. I, I, I find edges here because this is what I know and this is my home track. And, um, you know, I, I'm always looking for an edge where, you know, you hear, oh, short, I mean, you know, here on Twitter, you hear, oh, short fields and this, and, you know, Santa Anita's done and it's over with. And um, I think that's, you know, I don't, I don't, I think, I think, you know, they're going to persevere. I think, you know, part of, you know, two, you know, trainers, they can't enter horses. I mean, they have issues, but, you know, hopefully they could just continue to work, work through and work them out. But um, you have to look for the edge and find the edge. And you, you found one at Laurel. And I think, you know, there's, you're talking about like low Salamitos. There's, there's, there was some interesting news uh, this week about how, what Delmar did, where if you, you could run one time at low Sal and those thousand yard races. Uh, and then uh, if you run more that you can't, you can't enter. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, good for racing that might be good for Del Mar but in the long run I don't know how good that's going to be for anybody but you bring up a great point where here's an angle that I found where most people look at Los Alamitos and they toss the horses out right away and this meet um, what Los Alamitos did is they found a loophole in those thousand yard races where um, where they could run races that are more than 5,000 claiming so the rule is uh, you cannot you cannot have um uh, you, you couldn't at Los Al, you couldn't run 
uh, anything over 5,000 claiming for thoroughbreds. And what uh, what turned out what turned out uh, is they they figured a loophole. They wrote thousand yard races, and that the loophole was for a for thousand. But before that, it was just eight seventies, four and a half, and four. So you couldn't card anything more than five thousand claiming. But when they came out with a thousand yards, they went above the the uh, the claiming. I mean, there was that uh, Brandon the bartender ran at Los Alamitos and won a stakes race here. So what people would do is they throw the races out where, hey, those thousand yard races that had good times, those horses came here and, and ran and and won. I think I caught I caught a $135 horse that, uh, that that won here that ran a low selling thousand yard race. Um, so there's you know always looking for some kind of angle or edge. That's uh, I think that's what differentiates you from being a winning uh, horse player in the, the just cashing tickets. And, and let me ask you one or two more things uh, before I handicap. So when you were talking about structuring your pick fives and the ticket maker and all that, we, we might have different approaches here, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, let's say there's a sequence, because this happens to me a lot. And there's two price horses I, I like significantly. I think they're going to be good value. They have a good chance to win. Let's say, just for our argument's sake, they're both 10 to 1 shots. So leg two and leg four, you have 10 to 1 shots that you like. Would you... Think about just singling both of them, swinging for the moon. Would you, or would you build two different tickets, maybe where, or, or multiple tickets, where in one ticket you single the race two leg, or the, the leg two horse, and in a separate ticket you single the leg four horse. Where obviously in both tickets you're using both horses, or, or not? Because I don't do that. I usually will either single both or pick one to single. Um, how would you approach that situation? Yeah. So. If you, you know, liking a, liking a 10 to one shot, I think what you have to look at is the context of the race, right? If it's a, is it an eight horse field? Um, you know, you might, and, and, and let's say you don't like the first two favorites, but you're, you know, you really, you really like this 10 to one shot. I might use another horse in that race um, as well. That, I'm not afraid to do that. that. That's a price and has some value. Um, but if I really like a, a 10 to one shot, um, I'm not, I'm not afraid to make a big bet on a 10 to one shot if I really like him. Um, and I'm not afraid to single the 10 to one shot. So, um, you, know, I, it, you know, it all depends on, on, the, on the circumstances of the, of the race. Uh, but yeah, if I don't like, like a, a and B or A, B and C, what I might tend to do is um, if I like a horse real, real strong, I'm not afraid to single him. But let's say I think there's some other horses in there. I'll, I'll group horses together, right? Um, and I'll leverage that 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 kind of that kind of approach. Um, but if if I like two ten to one shots, I think there was uh, a good example of that was uh, probably about um, uh, I think the end of last month there was a situation like that where there was a uh, a ten there was a there was a I think a fifteen to one shot the, a thirty dollar horse that won and I used two horses in that race. And one of it was fifteen to one, and then um, the next the next leg was a ten to one, was a nine to one uh, that that had won, and I think in that sequence I used like two two one, so I used two horses uh, with you know I I paired somebody up with that other ten that you know the fifteen to one that I liked, and then the ten to one that I liked I used another horse um, that I liked as well, and then I used a single at the end, so it was like a two two one, and I think the, for fifty cents it came back like three hundred. Nice. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess like, 
would you or do you ever single, like I think in pick five, singling two different legs in the same sequence, meaning, you know, like two, would you have a single of a horse? And then on the same pick five, would you bet a separate ticket where you're singling another horse in another leg? Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes. So I know- that, yeah, That's yeah. something that, I'm sorry, yeah, that, I, that's something that like, it's conf not confusing. I usually would never do that. But sometimes when I like two big prices, I, I do it. It's not often, but I was just curious your thoughts on that because I don't think I'm doing it right. Here, go ahead. I, 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 think, well, I get with what you're saying. So what'll happen is, um, let's say I'll, I'll, I'll lay out a ticket and then um, what I'll what I what I what I might do is 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 um, for example if there's let's say there's three horses I like in 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 a, in a race what I'll, but one of them's ten to one well I'll press that one and then I would come back with another ticket let's say and single that ten to one in one ticket and then come back with another ticket where and like say in two races later where I like a ten to one where I use a three in the one and single in the other race, right? Or in vice versa. I, I've done that. I've done that before. So, so that way you get the multiple tickets, right? So, mm -hmm. right. So, so if you, if you're, if you're right in the both 10 to ones, when you're going to have multiple tickets, but let's say uh, one of them, one of them does win and the other one doesn't, and you spread it a little bit, then you could, you could still, uh, you can still have, I've done, I've done that. Sometimes I do that. All right. And one final question. Um, you talked a lot about, and, and even before we were on, uh, we were talking about this, but you know, one of the things you look for, something that ITP Inside the Pylons talks about a lot, uh, you look for vulnerable favorites. And those are the races you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but those are the races you enjoy betting, I think. Um, what if you find a vulnerable favorite? You see a horse, you're like, I really don't like this horse. He's going to be six to five. Or I don't even think he has a great shot to win at all. But you really don't, let's say it's an eight horse field. You just have no clue other than that. Would you just go, the all other horses than the favorite, or would you try to narrow it down somehow? What would you do in that situation? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I would, I wouldn't use, I wouldn't use all the other horses. I would, I would narrow it down. I wouldn't, if I didn't like a favorite. Now, here's a good example where you, you could make a big spread. Let's say you have a 12 horse field, right? And you have, you don't like A and A, a and B or A, B and C. Now, that's where you could take a shot and spread with a lot of horses, maybe in a, you know, super trifecta and superfecta, where I would take a lot of horses. But other than that, I, I, I like in a in a pick uh, horizontal bet, pick five, uh, you know, pick four, pick three. I wouldn't let's say I didn't like one. I, I wouldn't just take the rest of them. I I, I tend not to do, ever do that, and I, I I stay away from betting like um, I haven't. I don't bet like all like 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 if it's eight horse field and I I'll bet all. I really try to narrow it down because over time that you just, you just, you're, 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 uh, um, you know, you're, 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 you're paying too much for your tickets. And, and what about just to finish up, what about like, you're looking at a pick five sequence and let's say there is one or even let's say two races where you almost have like no clue. You just don't have a strong opinion in the race. You're not sure. Would you just sit out that sequence? Would you somehow narrow it down? What do you do in that situation? Yeah, if I there's there's some there's some sequence that come up where uh, there's some days where you just tread you tread slow low slow right so you so you, I'm not investing a lot of money and if I don't like a race or I don't like a sequence I might just take a shot where where uh, I'm betting a, a, sm a small ticket with not very many multiples right so 
I'll just try to single in on, a, on one or two horses or, or even if you did like two horses in every race or something like that. Um, and if you didn't leverage the favorites, you would do that. But if I liked the favorite, I would single them. Right. So, I mean, I had, uh, I, I made a good, good score um, probably three or four weeks ago where, where I had three singles in an early pick five. Right. And then had it like for $80. So, nice. wow. yeah. So I'm saying, you know, for this, at this track, that's, that's how it comes up, you know, maybe for, for the other tracks, it doesn't come up that way, but for here, that's sometimes what you have to do. And, and, you know, you, you, you take what you, what you can get. GQ, uh, we're going to handicap uh, pretty much now, but I just want to give you a chance if you had any follow-ups or, or any more questions. Yeah, uh, here's just something, uh, an opinion that I'd like to hear from Leo. It's been a lot of buzz lately, and I think Monmouth Park uh, is uh, allowed to institute um, fixed price uh, wagering. Uh, your thoughts on, on that versus uh, the old uh, power mutual wagering? I think all oh, the fixed fixed odds. Uh, I was around yeah. when they when they when uh, they tried to attempt that before. It was called the Sport of Kings on Las Vegas, and um, they they didn't. And it was a they, it was a, a Landbrook organization, and they got they got whacked around a lot of a lot of people that uh, that, uh, that 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 uh, that knew how to extract a significant right. amount of money, and so <laughs> so I think. If you look at sports betting today and you look at professional sports bettors that are successful, what tends to happen is um, you're not able to make bets. So there's people on the Internet that, have been, that are known professional uh, uh, sports bettors where they get banned from every place. So anybody, right. any, anybody that's making any kind of money, um, they, they, they're, 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 uh, they're banned and they can't make bets. So for somebody that's successful in horse racing, they're not gonna they're not gonna let uh, someone walk in and and and, and take a stab. They're, they're gonna they're not gonna let anybody that's a significant player or a successful player. You're not gonna be able to bet. You're gonna you know. But are they gonna offer it and and have people bet it? And a lot of people think that that's gonna save racing. It's I think it's got it's, it's I think it's gonna kill racing. Uh, because of that, because of the people that bet this, you know, the someone like myself, I'm not going to be able to walk in and bet a thousand dollars. They're not going to let me bet a thousand dollars on a horse or fifteen hundred right. horse. They're not, they're not going to let me do that. Where I can do that today without anybody stopping me. And I think so. I, I just I don't I don't think it's going to be good for the game. And I think that uh, anybody that's a winning horse player, they're 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 not going to be allowed to bet. And, and uh, and uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a positive thing or a good thing. I mean, the sports betting is a great example where there's so many you know professional horse players. I mean, uh, sports bettors that are banned from all from all the casinos from making bets, and they get you, you read it, you see it where they you know they you know one one week they could bet you know thousand or two thousand, and next thing they could bet two hundred, and then after that they're kicked out. Right. Yeah. So. Uh kind of along the same line um your thoughts on the uh program wagering that seems to kill odds for horses uh you know horse goes in the gate you know you feel like you got a decent price at you know nine to two or whatever and 
the gates open halfway around the turn. He's three to two. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. So that that that's um, that's created be because of the computer betters, and right. I think the racetracks. If you uh, saw how much these guys are betting, um, they they couldn't survive. I don't think without them. So they're never going to sure. change anything. You and I being uh, uh, IT guys, like we know, like uh, like the infrastructure that they're using is from, you know, the seventies. And um, <laughs> if you, if you, if you look at uh, uh, if you look at trading today, right. Where, um, you know, they're trading, they're, 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 they're making trades in milliseconds and, right. and, and you could do the same thing in horse racing where you could put a system in where you could eliminate that. But I think if you did that, I think a lot of these, uh, bot players or computer players uh you know elite and them they they have a they have an edge that they wouldn't have so they won't participate i think i've seen i've seen um stats on an, an elite, elite player during a meet at Gulfstream will bet you know over a billion dollars so wow. how so how would the racetracks they, they can't they can't afford right. to they can't yeah. afford to not have those guys participating because their handle would go way down and they so I don't think that I don't see I don't see anything ever changing uh, with that for for any time and and unfortunately what you have to do is you have to be creative and you have to look at you know double pick three payoffs and that sort of thing and really kind of set a price. There's a lot of guys out there, Tony Zoe, and you know the, he 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 he. I don't know if you've had him on, but he you know he's he's he creates his fair odds, so he knows he knows pretty much exactly what. What, what to expect and, and then when he finds some value that he, he makes a bet but um, you know that the, the odds changing I don't think that's something that's ever going to go away and I know there's a lot of people that are that are talking about it and, and, and trying to fix it but with uh, computer players I don't I don't think it'll ever change right all right so uh, I'm going to defer to Eric and uh, Leo. Uh, to dissect the, the late pick five at Sandita. I may, if I, you know, I may jump in with two cents worth or some interesting. Leo, I, I always, Eric, Eric does the um, majority of the analysis and I'll just kind of throw in little things. Oh, did you notice this? Did you notice that? So um, that, that may be all you'll hear from me. <laughs> for the next five races so what a shame. Eric, our listeners are, are crying now <laughs> yeah, eric the floor is yours all right we'll get started on the late pick five memorial day at santa anita that's uh may 31st first race is race five made in special weight for the girls on the turf going six and a half furlongs and leo we spoke briefly about the race um there are one or two or there are one or two horses who ran who might pique my interest a little bit but tell me why uh, I may be wrong with that approach. Go ahead. Oh no, this is a this is a full field uh, of of horses, and so um, I think you know you can you can look at this race here. Um, you know, doing it a couple of days in advance is you know really trying to figure out okay who's going to be the horse that's that's going to be bet or, or over bet. Um, you know, that's it's, it's it, I think it's a wide open race where where you're not going to have someone, you know, odds on um, in, in this race. And so this is a good opportunity to where, like I talked about, where you, you might put a group of horses together. And I, you know, I, I kind of came up with four horses that I think, um, 
you know, have, have an opportunity in, uh, to do well. And I, a lot of times I like, I'm not a big first time um, starter type person. I like to have horses have recency. I think the horses that have ran in the races they've come out of, I don't think they're as strong where I think there's some good first timers here that are probably going to be, be ready. And that's where the workouts come in uh, that really kind of help you do that. But without the workouts, I, I think I still think I, I feel confident that there's some horses here that I think that will be, uh, be ready to run. All right. So you said there's four of them. Uh, I guess who are they? You want to share? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first one is, is uh, Virgo Alley. It's a, a field of model horse. It's a horse that's coming in from Ireland. Um, you know, and he's, he's from May 2nd. Uh, you know, he's put in four works this month. And um, she, you know, the, the, um, uh, the owners, they're, they're very successful. And they, they, you know, these guys know how to go out and pick horses that, that, uh, um, from overseas and come, at, come here and run right away. So I look for this horse to be a horse that, uh, that's going to have some upside. And, and probably, you know, the fact being on the, on the rail, uh, there might be, a, you know, a little bit, a little bit of value uh, be, because of that. Uh, so that's one horse uh, that I like. Um, and then Thrilling, uh, the, I think he's out of the three post. Um, he's had, you know, he's had a decent pattern of works. He's, he's out of Uncle Mo. They pay 200K for. Um, a lot of times McCarthy doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a high rated uh, first time out. But he just, he's just a horse that I... Uh, I thought would would be uh, you know would 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 be a be a price and have some upside, um, and then the other ones uh, that I was looking at is uh, um, David Hoffman's uh, Peace Field, and what's interesting about this horse that I like is is there's a set of uh, six um, six furlong workouts uh, during his uh, workout pattern for his first for his first comeback race. Not sure if he'll have speed, but but uh, the one thing is, I th I think he'll be fit, and I think he might he might uh, give a good showing at a, at a at a pretty decent price. And then uh, the last one was um, the Baltus Horse Speed uh, Cuber, uh, the Ellen J Foxwoods. Pratt jumps on, you know, if he's got good works, they pay five hundred thousand for it. He'll probably take with Pratt. If that's what tends to happen. He'll take a lot of action here. He might be turn out to be one of the. Uh, you know, one of the favorites here, but those are the four that I like. There's some other first timers in here. Uh, Jonathan Wong has two. Um, he's got a high percentage rate, but that a lot of that's from Golden Gate. Uh, he's been working these horses at Golden Gate. Um, so I'm going to pass on those. So those are the four that I, that I will use in the first leg of the uh, pick five to, to move on from there. All right. And just uh, out of the horses who ran before, uh, there are a couple that kind of piqued my interest. I wish I knew the odds because I have no idea what's going to go. This is a tough one to make the morning line for. Uh, the five, Cielo de Oro. Uh, I, I like that horse. I, I do like, um, I, I kind of like adjust the buyer speed figures based on trip and how I felt the horse ran. And I have pluses next to each of his last three races, which means I think he ran better than the speed figure shows. Um, last race, he was three wide. Uh, he was kind of bottled up in the race too. I thought like mid-race, the horse wanted to run a little bit and he just had nowhere to go. Um, so between the wide trip and that, I, I thought he ran pretty well now third off a layoff. So I can see him doing something. And then the 11 Callan, who I'm assuming will be amongst the favorites. I don't know if he'll be the favorite or she'll be the favorite, but she'll be amongst them. She had, she came out of the same race. She just had a very wide trip that day. 
uh, and made a nice wide move, get right up to the lead and then just didn't have enough left. But she ran a lot further than the other horses in the race. So I thought that was uh, something to keep an eye on. I thought out of the same race, Red Diamond had a pretty good uh, trip saving ground. So even though that was off a layoff, she could move forward second off a layoff number eight, Red Diamond. I don't think she ran as well, even though she came in second as the other horses. So at a, a pretty short price there, I'm going to avoid the eight Red Diamond. Not that she can't win. So those, those are my thoughts on uh, some of the horses who ran before. Uh, GQ, do you have any uh, comments before we let Leo finish up if he has anything else? No, I thought it was uh, interesting about uh, the first timers uh, with his comments about the um, Jonathan Wong horses, even though the, the Tommy Town thoroughbreds paid uh, a nice price yeah, coming down from Golden Gate. Uh, but you never know. And a lot of times, th thankfully, since this is the beginning of the sequence, you know, a lot of people can can both look at the board or even the previous race to see the will pays and, and trying to figure out uh, who's um, well meant uh, in this particular race. Yeah. See, sometimes I like to look at that and, and bet against though, because I understand what you're saying. You know, if a horse is 10 to a morning line and he's taking a lot of money going off three to one, oh, first time start, someone knows something, but you're also getting no value there. So I can see it going both ways, but I understand what you're saying. A lot of people take that approach. Leo, did you want to finish up with anything else? Any thoughts? No, no. I think Eric, you made some good points about the horses that, that, that have ran and a lot. If you, if you look at the, the horse you mentioned, uh, Kalon, a lot of times the, the numbers, the buyer numbers aren't significantly uh, higher because he's, you know, horses coming off the pace. So um, I think those horses, they, they, uh, you know, without looking at the odds or knowing the odds, they, and there is interesting how they both get blinkers on. So that's something uh, um, else. And they're both by the same trainer. So, you know, those, those guys, they, they come, they come ready to race. So it's, it'll be an interesting race and, and hopefully we can, uh, we can get past and move on to the next leg. All right, so rate six, an allowance optional claiming, uh, non-wisdom of two other than six and a half furlongs on the dirt for the boys. And in this race, there's a couple of Bafferts in here that uh, pique my interest. But Leo, since you're the guest, I'll let you start off with your thoughts on the race. Yeah, I think one of the things that you, you look at a race like this, you look at race shape. And if you look at, uh, you, know, the, um, you know, going, going six and a half, furlongs you'll you know you, you look at the two baffers they're, they're probably going to be you know a and b uh, you know the, the lowest odds um i i, I kind of lean towards desmond a little bit he's been off uh you know almost a year where where uh, i think you know and he's outside speed pass uh, the other horse that has that that, that has some uh some speed kind of hidden speed what was kind of interesting if you go back and look uh you know at the at the low sal you know horse on the rail uh but I, you know I, I probably wouldn't leverage him so i'd probably just focus on uh from a race safe perspective where i think speed pass and desmond are, are going to go and I'm, I'm probably going to uh lean towards desmond uh but a lot of times what i'll do too is also look you know wait you know wait to see um with the warning line comes out with and with the workouts too as well, or maybe that might be a tip off as well. But uh, in, in this race, I, I think uh, I would lean towards Desmond and he might, he might be a short price here. 
Yeah, the, the good thing is, I guess, it's the second leg, so you could see the probables in the doubles to see who's taking money and who's going to be bet regardless of the morning line. Right. Yeah, I mean, speed, speed pad is going to be tough. Uh, two back, he ran at this level. He actually had a couple raises at this level. Uh, he was coming off almost a year layoff. He put up a 93 buyer, ran a, a pretty solid race. Yeah, he had a somewhat easy lead early, but considering the layoff ran pretty well. And then last race, he actually came to my neck of the woods here in New York, and he just did not get out of the gate. He hit the gate. He spotted the field a few lengths. That's not his style. You know, he, he went wide. Chateau, the horse is in great form right now, usually quits the horse, but there's a horse who runs like mid to upper 90 buyers consistently now. So he was going against a horse that's probably better than these. And after that start, I would almost toss the race. So I think speed pads will be tough. And I think he is the speed of the race. Uh, I've always been a fan of Desmond back when he ran in Oakland that race. Um, you know, I, I thought he was going to be a really, really good horse. And I guess he's had some issues, only a couple races here and there a lot of layoffs, but I agree. He, he's a tough horse. I would expect one of the Bafferts to win, but if they're both short prizes, it's tough to take both of them. You may have to take a stand and I would probably lean a little, assuming the odds were somewhat even, I would probably lean a little to speed pass, but I think he's going to be shorter than Detsman. So I'm going to have to decide what to do. And if I use any other horse in here, uh, it's a horse you mentioned. Thanks, Mr. Edison, whose last dirt race at Los Al was a fairly solid race. He stalked a two to one shot who ended up holding on so I can see how people might argue, oh, speed held, but uh, they were the two best horses in the race. And it was a head bob where if they went a couple more feet, he wins that race. So uh, I think thanks, Mr. Edison or Eidson. It's not Edison. I, Mr. E. Edson. I can't even read that. Edson, yeah. Yeah, all right. Sorry. Uh, you know, I think he's the only other one with a legit shot here. Not that others can't win, I guess, but I would think one of the Baffers wins. And if not, it's the one horse. GQ, your thoughts? Just uh, what you had said about the one horse thing, it's interesting. You know, uh, Leo, we, we talk about the uh, lack of Lasix versus Lasix. Some horses it might help, some horses it might hinder. Uh, does uh, When we get into the three grade ones, we're going to see that as well. Uh, has that entered your handicapping, uh, seeing no Lasix in, in these races? I, I think what, hap what ends up happening is, is you tend to back off or are hard to make a, a strong bet on someone when, when they, they do take it off in a, in a stakes race. So, you know, we, there's not a lot of data when it comes to, to, to that. Right. And, you know, and, and two, it's, you know, unless you're talking to the trainer uh, directly, you're, 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 there's a lot of guesswork in that, right? Yeah, that's what makes it hard. Another curveball uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we get thrown. But uh, yeah, it's uh, thanks, Mr. Eaton is uh, honest as the day is long. I mean, he shows up for every race, no matter what the level. Yeah. Just has a hard time getting to the winner's circle. All right, anyone have final thoughts? I think we're ready to move on. All right. So now we come to the graded stakes portion, three grade ones in a row, as GQ referenced. The first one is race seven, the Shoemaker Mile, uh, one mile on the turf. And it's interesting here because there's a horse who I don't really think has a chance, but he's entered in this race and race nine, and that's Raimundo Secret. I don't remember, maybe it's just not New York or most tracks I play. I don't remember a horse being entered in two races on the same uh, in the same day, but I guess they allow that. Uh, do you have any idea, Leo, where he's running or probably not, right? <laughs> no, no, not, not, not yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was interesting because the motto has multiple horses and 
in uh, in in the later in uh, so who who well he's at, he's actually got two in here and then uh, I think three in the in the in the, in the game league. Um, yeah, so it would be interesting to see where he would uh, land with this horse. Yeah, and he's a, he's a big pace factor because smooth like straight is the speed of the race, I suppose. And yes, Whisper Not has shown a lot of speed. And you're more familiar with these horses than I am, so you'll talk about it. Uh, but if Raimundo's Secret is in there, you know, that just adds to the pace and helps horses or a horse that I like, actually. So I'm hoping he runs in this race. Uh, but yeah, definitely a pace factor, even if, uh, it, well, maybe you like him, but you know, I, I don't really care for him. So Leo, how do you see this race uh, shaping up? Yeah, no, you make an interesting point about him because the model's got, uh, uh, say the word who's comes out of, uh, I went back and looked, I think he ran one time in his 29 career starts, uh, at a, at a mile. So that's kind of interesting where, where, uh, this is a, you know, cut back. Uh, you know, and maybe he, you know, uses uh, Ramondo's secret as a rabbit. Uh, for me, I think you brought up about smooth like straight. He's probably going to, he looks like he's going to be the horse that, uh, that'll be favored in the, in the, in the race. Um, and I, I actually, I, I like that. I like the outsider here. I like um, whisper not. And so I think he's going to have some value because he, you know, he, he was running down here and he went up to San Francisco and he won the, I think it was a San Francisco mile. Um, and, I, you know, with the jockey, Giovanni Franco, um, you know, again, here's, you know, he's a low percent jockey where I think he's going to have some value. And this is, like, uh, uh, I like betting Richard Baltus. He all have this horse ready to run. And um, if you look back on the December 26th opening day, he actually ran uh, a good smooth light straight and was, uh, you know, five to two and, and, and got beat a length and a quarter uh, by him. So um, I think there's some value in betting him. And, and you know, from a pick five perspective, um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to single him because I think you're, the, the model question is interesting, right? If, he, if they leave these two in here, um, I, got a, I got a sneaky feeling that, uh, uh, that this uh, – he ends up with Pratt on Say the Word, who, like I said, hadn't run a mile um, once, in, once in his career, and, and, he, and he shows up here. So um, that, that would be the other horse that I'm, I'm looking at as well. Um, uh, but uh, I think my top pick would be uh, uh, Whisper Not. Yeah, and my fear with Say the Word, I know he can win, but I think he's going to be a short price. Yeah. Even if you get a fast, a fast pace, when you go back to his races that were basically not like marathon races, uh, he, he just ran so much worse. So perhaps he's just a better horse now. I mean, he's had several good races in a row and in a mile and a half, he'd be almost like a cinch here, I would think. But I don't know the distance with him to take a short price, but I, I definitely can see him winning this race. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, it's a horse I'm probably going to bet against. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just not a smooth like straight fan. I know he's a good horse. Uh, I thought he had a pretty easy lead last time. It wasn't tough field, obviously, with Colonel Liam uh, in the field, probably the best turf horse around. But um, that, I don't know, coming off an easy lead, uh, you're going to get a short price as well. I, I'm, I'm not in love with those horses here. So um, my, my second pick would actually be your horse, Whisper Not. So you spoke about him. I won't. But the horse that I'm actually going to lean on here, and I'll, I'll probably use two horses. I'll probably use a three and a six. So the three is the horse I'm going to lean on. The outsider here from Mike McCarthy. Uh, that's Crossfire Hurricane. 
and I watched his races in um, in Ireland. That June 12th race in the great a group three, I guess it's called over there. I, I thought he ran fine. I don't think it was anything special. He won fairly easily. I don't think it was like a race that favored speed or uh, closers. He made a nice closing move going a mile and a quarter. The mile and a half race, I don't know what happened. Like he just wasn't in it, but it was a group one and it was a tough, tough field. In fact, one of the horses was not on there that was in that race was Order of Australia who came back to win a Breeders' Cup race. So, and there was another horse or two who were in there who were like Breeders' Cup horses who either won or came close to winning Breeders' Cup races. It was just a really, really, really good field. I think much better than this field. So I think the two is going to go. I'm hoping Raimondo's secret goes. I'm hoping Whisper not actually goes or really just sits off of them but pushes the pace. And I'm hoping that the three... Uh, the race is not too short for him, and he can sit back towards the back and make one move. So uh, I'm going to – a little bit of a stab, and the price matters. If he's 3-1, to 4-1 to one morning line, I'm not going to love him, but I'm assuming I'm going to get a better price than that based on his last two finishes. He was way, way back. So I'm assuming I'm going to get close to 10-1 to one on him or you know thereabouts. So uh, I'm going to go three and probably use a six as well in here. Very well aware that the two and the, uh, the seven can beat me. Um, GQ, and then if Leo wants to add anything else as well. Nah, just – uh, Leo, I'm, I'm a Brisnet guy and Eric's a, a DRF uh, guy and we like to compare the speed figures to see you know ha- how they are and say the word ran his best career best Brisnet uh, in that last race of 104 and it seems like now it, it may be unfair to say that he regresses after putting up a big number because whenever he's regressed, maybe he really didn't regress. It's just that he stepped up in class. So how does the buyer compare in that last race, uh, Eric, as far as was that his best buyer? No, it's pretty consistent. He got a 99 buyer for his last race, the Elkhorn. He got a 101 in the San Louis Ray before that. Uh, got a 90 in the uh, Pacific uh, class, whatever they call it, the uh, Pegasus, sorry, at, uh, at Gulfstream. And a 102 before that. So basically, he's, except for the Pegasus, which he was outrun, uh, he basically has got 102, 101, 99. So he's been very consistent. But again, that's going really long. Interesting. Because, I mean, he went from a 98 in the uh, San Luis Rey to a 104 uh, in the Alcorn. So, uh, and third third race off the form. But I don't know. Um, you guys covered everything else, so. Uh, if you guys are done, you can move on to the eighth. All right, Leo, are we good for the eighth race? Do you want to add anything? Yeah, no, let's, let's, I think we can move on. All right. So that is the uh, the Hollywood Gold Cup, not at Hollywood Park anymore. I guess it used to be at Hollywood Park, I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, it is grade one at a mile and a quarter for, uh, well, I guess it's for anyone, but it's the boys in this race. And there's a couple of horses here who I've liked a lot in the past, but I don't know about today. We got a seven horse field. Uh, we got a couple horses coming off of huge buyer speed figures that ran against each other in Royal Ship and Country Grammar. So, Leo, I guess we'll let you start again. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I think I think the two horses you mentioned, I think they're going to be, um, you know, the, the, the favorites in the, in the race. And um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards the, the horse on the outside, Express Train. Um, I, I used him in the Sandy to Handicap. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I would have made a good score that day if he would have if he would have uh, ended up winning. He looked like he was the winner, and then he uh, 
he got he got beat by Idle, and then he shipped over to Oakland Park and ran in the uh, Oakland Handicap. Um, you know, he he um, he he kind of held his own, but I, I think um, I just I just I just think those other two horses are going to get over bet, and I, that's how I kind of land on Express Train. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> we we did a show. We covered uh, last time we covered Santa Anita, perhaps. Um, and I loved Idol. I singled Idol that day, so <laughs> I got lucky that day with, uh, yeah. with him winning. But I will say, after the race, I made a comment to I don't know if it was GQ or other people that I got a little lucky. I thought because I thought Idol had a very good trip with Joel and um, really a great setup. And I actually thought Express Train might have ran a little better, so I might have I might have lucked out there. Then he came back to that Oakland race, and I honestly thought he, he what not that he couldn't lose, but I really thought he was going to win that race. Um, and he ran fine. He was being hard ridden throughout by the jockey. Um, and I don't know. I know that it's silly to say because he ran a good race, but I don't know if he just didn't like the Oakland track or the shipping or something, but he just didn't seem himself being asked the entire race. So I think back on the West Coast, that's a horse I like a lot here. In fact, um, I'm tempted to single him depending on the odds. I might throw him one more long shot. Um, the, the two country round I've never really been a big fan of because I felt that he got perfect trips in the Peter Pan and in the Travers, like perfect, perfect trips uh, in those races. Now, he did come back off the layoff and run, put a big figure first time for Bob Baffert uh, going from Chad Brown. So maybe he's just a better horse now at four. I mean, he had a fairly easy lead, though, and I thought Royal Ship definitely outran him because Royal Ship kind of just sat off him, let Country Grammar do his thing, and he still ran him down, and he was, like, pulling away late. I guess if you think Country Grammar is going to improve second off the layoff, then, you know, maybe you like him there. Uh, and Royal Ship, his last two dirt races, obviously the last race was very impressive. Uh, and that race at Del Mar, the native dancer, I, he lost all chance. I know it says stumble, bump to the break. I, he had no chance. That was one of the worst starts I've seen in a long time. So I, I would either toss that or actually find it pretty impressive that he was able to, you know, at least keep pace with some of those horses that were pretty good horses. So um, I would like Royal Ship more than Country Grammar. But like you said, I think there'll be short prices. And I'm willing to, to take a stab on Express Train, who will probably be the third choice. Uh, and then the other horse who I might use as a long shot, assuming I get double digit or I won't get double digit, but eight to one, seven to one area, that'll be the four Haywoods beach. And, you know, maybe, you know, more about this horse and can help me out, but I thought his last race was pretty good. First of all, he got a good speed figure. Yeah. He has to improve, but he's a four-year-old. So no reason he can improve. He stepped up from his race before, uh, two back, he ran a 90 last race around 99. He was like two to three wide the whole way. So he ran a lot of ground or covered a lot of ground. So to me, if he can take another step forward here, yeah, it's a big class hike, but I think at a price, he might have a shot if the one and two regress. Do you have any thoughts on, on Haywood's Beach? Leo, am I just grasping straws in this uh, no, class hike? He, he doesn't have a chance? No, no, I think you, I think he does have a chance. And I think if you look at him, he, he was a turf horse, uh, you know, all of his starts, and then he, he ran on the dirt, and then they brought him back at the same level on the dirt when he, when he won. And, uh, you know, this... this um, you know, for, for a great one Hollywood gold cup, right? I mean, um, the, 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 the field, the, the, uh, the horses in this class right now are not very strong. So I think that, you know, that this horse is, this horse is, you know, sharp and, uh, you know, they experimented with him and put him on the dirt and he ran good. And so, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, 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 if he were to run well and even win the race. So, uh, he might be something that I that I look at, um, you know, leveraging and using as well. 
But uh, I think you made a great point about, about that horse as being a good price and, and um, having some value to, to, to make a wager, to use them in the, uh, in the sequence for sure. Yeah, and this is a good thing about what we said earlier in the pick uh, when we were talking earlier, like Andy Sarley mentioned about survival. Yeah, listen, if you want to survive the leg, you probably want to use the one and two, but I'd rather lose the bet, save money, or have more money bet on the seven. You know, I can have it, the pick five three times instead of spreading with the one, two, and seven also. Uh, and yeah, maybe I'll lose, but if, if I have those horses, I'm not making much anyway. So I'd rather, you know, walk away and lose the bet, saving some money, and come back another day. Uh, GQ, you want to add any uh, thoughts or final thoughts on this race? Yeah, I'm just wondering, am I off my rocker thinking that uh, Brown Storm could uh, <laughs> be a gate-to-wire thing? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking to see who really is going to get the lead, not unless, you know, country gra- grammar has changed tactics and Baffert's put speed into him. Um, but uh, look at, you know, he's – Gone the mile and a quarter at Santa Anita, you know, he was pressed early and then just kind of kind of gave it up to, you know, probable higher power and whatever. So, uh, Leo, talk me off of Brown Storm. Uh, well, I would never talk you off any horse. I, I, see, <laughs> I see your angle. I mean, I, you know, the two mile and a quarter dirt races, the Sandy to Handicap and the Gold Cup, uh, you know, uh, Last year and setting the setting the pace, um, you, you know, anything in, in a race like this that wouldn't surprise me. So if you if you like that horse, you 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 should you should definitely uh, leverage him. I mean, you make a great point. I mean, he's you know obviously they're gonna they're gonna send with him. Uh, he, he might get he get he might get some neighbors up there, but uh, um, you know with the with the country grammar and maybe some of the other ones, which might you know might help set it up for a closer, but. Um, in a race like this, I, I wouldn't talk to you off a horse like that. Yeah, and and just for the record, I I agree with uh, both of your assessments on Express Train. Uh, I'm with Eric on the Oaklawn. You know, it's like I thought thought he was going to be a world beater, and I thought you know nine to five was a bargain that day. But he just looked like he flattened out, and as Eric said, maybe he didn't care for the shipping, maybe Oaklawn, so he's back home. Uh, might be a short-priced winner. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's finish it up with uh, race nine. Eric, the grade one gamely back on the turf at a mile and eighth. Yeah, here I was so excited. Leo, you know, I mentioned the four-horse last race. He's like, oh, yeah, you make a good point. I'm like, ooh, a good handicapper, a good better, likes my point. <laughs> and then he's nice. He's just a nice guy because he liked your point, which was not good. So <laughs> he's just being nice. No. I could have said anything. He'd be like, oh, no, that's no, great. No. great point. <laughs> no, it's, no, but it's, it's, it's in a race where, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, that, that whole, you know, handicap uh, level here on the, on the West Coast. It's like, it's up, it's up for grabs. I mean that that's the way I look at it. So that's why I uh, yeah no I would yeah any to me you know I think I think those horses we mentioned could could uh, could all win. All right. Well, as uh, GQ said, we're on to the uh, the finale here, race nine, and in this race again, Raimundo's secret is a big question mark because he's entered in this spot and oh she I'm sorry, and I'm not a fan of the horse that thinks she's had easy leads and even last race had a, a golden trip, uh, perfect trip and couldn't get the job done at all. So I'm not a fan, but she does add to the pace. So that's why it's a question mark. And I know I mentioned I won her in the last race because I have a horse that comes off the pace, but 
now that I look at this race, I'm like, actually, I'm better off if she's in this race because here I have a horse that's going to come off the pace. It's going to be a price. But before I get to that, we'll let Leo uh, start us off, see if he uh, came up with the same horse or horses. Yeah, so it's, uh, Charmaine's Mia, I think, is, uh, is, is a really I – think, I think she's a really good horse. Um, and she actually – I really liked her, and I caught her uh, uh, at, at 16 to 1 that day. Um, when when uh, when um, when she when she won sprinting, and then they stretched her out, um, and uh, she she came back and won. I think she's she's doing she's going to go a mile and an eighth, which I which I kind of like the pr- projection. But if you look on here, she's never gone that far. But um, I I I, I kind of like that. But I you know I think that's who's going to be the favorite. That's the horse you're going to have to beat. And I don't like to be on favorites. And I got a horse that um, that I like. Um, um, that's uh, trained by Richard Baltus. Um, but I think how you pronounce that, uh, boat he 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 cheat cheetah cheetah or I, don't know, yeah. I think, right? Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Bodicita, I think it's Bodicita, Bodicita. That's 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 how it's right. I, I, um, you know, that's a that's a horse that, um, I think is going to be a, a, a price. Um, and then another horse that's a price that, that keeps that's running that's running decent too is uh, keeper of the stars. She she she, uh, she got you know she got she 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 ran a good race against Whisper Knot at the San Francisco Mile. But I really like the um, I like the, I like the bottom horse. I I, I just think that you know, he's gonna he's gonna get the, the right pace to run at and uh, um, and he ran in this race last year or she ran in this race last year at 14 to one with Pratt up and, uh, and, uh, got beat a length and a quarter. And I think, and she comes out of the matriarch where she just kind of just ran around basically, you know, ran ran around the track. And, uh, um, but I just, I just, uh, this is, this is where, where, where Baltus, he, he comes, he comes with these type of horses, right? He, he lays them up and he gets them ready. Um, and he's got a good strike rate, um, you know, off, off the off the layoff, and I think the horse is going to be a be a price, and that's who, that's who I kind of lean towards. All right, and and I'm hoping Charmaine's me is the favorite. And I think you're right. I think she will be the favorite because I'm going to play against for a few reasons. I just thought she had an easy lead last time. I know the pace was fairly quick, and the DRF puts like C's and S's, like favorite closers, favorite speed. I don't I don't buy that at all. I think they just do random letters, but. I actually like when they do that because people see, ooh, heavily favored closers. I'm going to, you know, I got to upgrade the speed horse. But I thought she had a pretty easy lead. And dog tag was going to fly by her. Uh, if it was uh, another 16th of a mile, dog tag would have won by a length and a half, I think. So uh, stretching out even further, unless she can get loose on the lead, which I hope not. Uh, I just, I- I'm playing against her. And I'm actually going to spread in this race. I won't go too long. I- I'll just mention the one horse that, I like the most in my vertical basketball key on, and I might be barking up uh, 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 the wrong tree, but number five, Red Lark. Uh, I like to race two back a lot. She ran in the, I don't even know what race that is, the Santa Ana, I guess, grade three event against the four going to Vegas who's in here. And that was like a merry-go-round race where speeds went out and it was just like, you know, walk around the track. And she made up a, a significant amount of ground. Well, I shouldn't say a significant amount of ground, but visually it looked impressive to me that she was able to make up ground in that race and go by the uh fourth place and uh fifth place horse so i, I thought she ran pretty well and then last race 
I didn't bet the race. I don't really bet Golden Gate unless there's like a carryover or something. And uh, so I didn't bet the race or anything, but I'm hoping maybe just a mile and a 16th is too short. She seems to want to go a little longer. Uh, her best races are a mile and an eighth and, and further. So I'm hoping that, and there really wasn't much pace in that race either. So I'm hoping there's a pace that she finally gets. And I think because of her last two races and the low speed figures, I think I'll get a pretty good price. She's a four-year-old. She could improve. So the extra distance, the seeming pace here. Uh, I'm on Red Lark as my main horse at a price, I hope. And I'm spreading. Uh, I'm definitely using uh, Motocita, like you mentioned, and a few others here. But the five will be my main play. Uh, GQ, your uh, your thoughts? As uh, Leo mentioned about Keeper of the Stars, that last race was against the boys up at Golden Gate. And she's the defending champ in this race. So uh, it'll be interesting um, how, how she comes back uh, this year against them. Uh, you know, I don't know. Charmaine's me uh, stretching out to the extra furlong uh, might test her, uh, you know, distance uh, aptitude. So uh, might be a good play against uh, favorite if that's the case. Other than that, I don't have any other opinions worth sharing. All right. Leo, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I think I think uh, we're good, and I think one of the things that we could maybe do is is post, uh, you know, when when uh, when the um, uh, you know that 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 morning on Monday is uh, what I'd like to do is just go ahead and post post my ticket, right? Awesome. Yeah, that'd that, be good. That's great. If you can uh, if you can tag us on on Twitter as well, I will. Way we I can, will uh, forward it, and uh, I know people want to hear your ticket more than mine, but maybe I'll. Uh, I'll do the same as well uh, as you, and hopefully at least one of us wins, if not both of us. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it. You're very generous with your time staying so long. Uh, I always love when I have a guest on, I learn something because, you know, I feel like I've been doing this a while. GQ, I know, has been doing this a while. And a lot of times when you're doing it a while, you feel like, not, not that you know everything because you know there's stuff to learn, but, you know, people talk like, all right, I kind of know that. And um, I, I coach basketball as well. And, you know, I go to coaching clinics and I hear college coaching. And so often I go and I'm like, all right, I know that. I know that when I really learned something, it's like, wow, that was great. And, um, you know, we've had a few guests where I've learned from and I've definitely learned a few things today. So I really appreciate you coming on. It was a good experience for me and hopefully our listeners as well. So thanks very much. GQ, you have any, any final words? Yeah. I just wanted uh, again, thank, thank Leo for coming on his, his time missing the finale. Uh, <laughs> I saw I saw it on the screen <laughs> as we were talking, but uh, uh, Leo, uh, a wealth of information as far as betting wise and, and angles, and he said said a lot of good things, a lot of new stuff that um, maybe our listeners haven't heard. Uh, if you want to follow Leo, I don't know how how often he uh, posts, but he is on Twitter. His uh, handle is at Vukman V U K. M-A-N. Leo, thanks again. Looking forward to seeing your ticket. And hopefully, even though you're on the left coast and both Eric and I are on the east coast, hopefully sometime in the future we'll cross paths and we can uh, share uh, a beverage or two uh, uh, so at some racetrack. Yeah, that would that would be great. It was a pleasure to be on with you guys. Uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity and uh, uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Leo. You're welcome anytime. And thanks to our listeners for, for listening. Have a great holiday weekend. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. And good luck at the races. See you next week.